Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, one by one. We will be spoiler-free of details of future episodes for those of you who are watching the series for the first time, but beware, we're going to be bringing up details from previous episodes. I'm Jason, and fellas, there's a better way to deal with your girlfriend about to dump you than freezing time right when you hit an orgasm. And I'm Harrison, and I'm mad. I'm mad at this man. <laughs> I have a lot of strong feelings about this man. Let's talk about and it. And his choices. <laughs> Jason, what episode are we watching? Harrison, we are watching Angel, Season 2, Episode 13. Happy Anniversary. This is the one where... A young man who is a genius physicist is developing a machine that can freeze time and upon finding out that his girlfriend is about to dump him he decides to freeze time right in the middle of right when he hits an orgasm oh yeah and like you know angel and cordelia wesley and gunn are in this too <laughs> Happy Anniversary was written by David Greenwalt and directed by Bill uh, Bill L. Norton, a uh, new director to the series. Hey, welcome. And uh, it originally aired on February 16th, 2001. Not just just a week shy of Valentine's Day, which also might have been 16th an appropriate... 16th or 6th? 6th. You said 16th. Did I say 16th? You did. I meant 6th. <laughs> I haven't even started drinking yet. My goodness. All right, let's let's take it away. Hell yeah. Jason, what are we drinking today? Well, you were so gracious enough to oh. make us some Manhattans. Yeah. Um and uh, I actually was kind of expecting you to try to make the drink the sea breeze. That uh, Lauren was uh, complaining about at the beginning of the episode. Uh, I don't even know if I have the ingredients for a sea breeze. Well, I mean, you would need a fresh grapefruit, not the one, not from <laughs> not a can. can. Um, I don't think this is the last time Lauren will bring up sea breezes. So perhaps in a future episode, I'll... And despite the fact that he, like, that he very much, um, he seems to be a pansexual person. Because, I was, yeah. Pansexual demon. Um, but demons are people too, uh, because he comments on both the attractiveness of Cordelia and Wesley in this, so... He's not wrong. He's not. Um, all right, take us away in a toast. All right, um, here is to being able to bounce back from a bad day. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Very sweet. It is sweet. Mm. Might have put a little too much of the chocolate bitters in there, but... That's okay. I, I kind of uh, dig it. Um, yeah. And here's to not being a fucking creep and... Anyway, yeah. let's get into this it. This guy doesn't give a scientist a really good name in this episode. <laughs> Gosh. All right. Let's, let's All do right. it. <laughs> okay. So we start off um, with Wesley and Cordelia, and they are trying to get their new office situated, which isn't the greatest thing. Apparently there's a funky smell that uh, Gunn comes in and notices immediately. Yeah. 
Virginia also notices it, but yes. she wasn't going to say anything. Yeah. Um, by the way, I just I do love the continued presence of Virginia. Oh my gosh, I I'll be I'll be totally real. Anytime this episode switches over to little fucking trash boy science nerd, I was like zoned out. But like this scene with G- Virginia, I was like, I love her. I'm just so delighted by her presence. Yeah. Um, and uh, while the majority of the episode does deal with um, both um, this science guy and uh, Angel's story, we do get these like nice little interruptions that are all humorous, pretty much. Yeah. Like the West Gun and Cordelia and them starting their own Angel investigations is really just more comic, um, comic relief, yeah. but still important character yeah. building. Yeah, uh, it's all it's all very funny until the very end, mm-hmm. um, and it, it ended on a very uh, it's still funny, but like on a very um, uh, moment of growth for for our gang. Yeah, um, but yeah, the yeah, there's like there's there's junk everywhere, and uh, they have a desk, one desk that they're probably gonna share <laughs> with a phone that doesn't work. Um, and, uh, which is bad news for Gunn because he just comes in from putting out a hundred flyers and he says, no, I'm just annoyed. A hundred people. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, gosh, I love, I love Gunn, even though he has like limited time in this episode. He's, he's just on it in yes. all of his lines. Love him. Um, and especially a moment at the end that I'll bring up. Uh, but, and he, uh. And at one point, he's, uh, when they say, like, oh, the phone doesn't work, uh, they're like, I'm so glad I met you guys. <laughs> um, but it's great because this is also great because, um, you know, we look at where these three were before the series started or when the series started, whenever they entered the series. And they all were doing slightly slightly two very different things cordelia is becoming an actress wesley was a rogue demon hunter (laughs) and gun was running with his crew and uh kind of like sticking to their own space and just focusing on vampires but through their work with angel they all kind of found this purpose that calls them to where now even though they are disconnected from angel they still feel like this is what they need to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that. That's something that sometimes I kind of just gloss over. But the fact that they didn't go off to do this, they wanted to do exactly what they were doing, you know, by themselves without Angel. Yeah. Because they're champions yeah. too. And, uh, but they, yeah, they're keeping the name Angel Investigations. Um, and, uh, while Wes is trying to fix the phone, he makes the power go out. Because <laughs> who needs daylight? Who needs it? Uh, Angel. Angel doesn't need daylight. <laughs> Angel actually is um, trying to sleep, but wakes up because he hears Lorne belting the Star-Spangled Banner. And uh, it's so funny because Lorne says that he does it because the acoustics are really great. And that very much reminded me of our friend Skylar, who <laughs> is, a, is a, I almost said he's a magician. Uh, he's a musician. He could be a magician with some of the things he does with his, uh, with his music. Um, he's very good. Uh, if you guys have, if you guys uh, have a music streaming service or just interested in buying their albums, check out 
Darlington pears. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, shameless little plug for our friend. <laughs> uh, but no, there have been times when he has, we have gone into a building or, uh, one time when I was, uh, dog sitting for my aunt and uncle who have a very nice house. Uh, the first time that I had all of you guys over, Skylar was literally walking through the rooms and making like, uh, like clicks with his tongue mm-hmm. and, and like different kind of tones and he's just like, man, the acoustics in here are amazing. Yeah. He literally, the first time he ever came over to this house when uh, we were uh, moving in, he, like walked in and was just like, wow, the acoustics are amazing in here. I should record something. And I was like, okay. Um, uh, do you think that's what he does every time he enters a new place? It's just like... I think maybe not every time because I don't think he ever did that with my house I think it has to be something that could possibly have good acoustics. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, my house doesn't have any tall rooms, so uh, I don't think, like, the acoustics in there are super great. My house has only tall rooms. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, he said that uh, Lorne is there to tell Angel that he um, he was at Caritas when a... Young man comes up who looked fairly normal, aka not a demon, and uh, was decided to sing all by myself. And when he did, it knocked Lorne out. And Angel said, "Like, oh, was was he good?" He's like, "No, it knocked me out." <laughs> and it took a while for Lorne to get to the point because Lorne is setting the scene at Caritas, including his uh, new bartender. Uh, remember the old one was fired after he was part of the uh, plot to kill Angel yeah. with the fake Swami. <laughs> That's a weird sentence. Indeed. <laughs> oh. uh, but yes, uh, he's apparently very bad at making a sea breeze, uh, which I can, let's assume is Lauren's favorite drink. Yeah, I think so. Um, not a fucking Bay Breeze. Um, have you watched Red, Red Eye yet? I haven't. Okay. That was a joke. That's a reference to the movie Red Eye. Well, now I feel really bad. <laughs> no, like the uh, the only movie I really watched this weekend was uh, The Northman, hmm. uh, which is so good. Um, yeah, definitely check that out. I may actually see it in theaters a second time. Nice. Which uh, part of it is because I really enjoyed it, but another part of it is that uh, I had taken an allergy pill like uh, a few hours beforehand because my allergies were mess up, but were messing me up, but. It also kind of had me like drifting in and out during the movie, and it's a Robert Eggers movie, so yeah, that can happen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and so he, so Lorne doesn't see a future for this guy because he doesn't see a future for anybody after tomorrow night, and uh, this obviously has him a little worried, concerned, uh, and but he doesn't know. Um, who the person is and he doesn't know where he is and he doesn't know what he's what exactly he's going to do yeah uh, i do love that he's like when he's explained to angel that he like left afterwards he was and angel's like why and he's like you know people get scared they 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 come to get their reading and then chicken out or you know the psychic faints <laughs> <laughs> and i was like you know yeah 
if if I if if I were in this world and I went to get like my future read, my path read, and the person doing it passed out upon reading me, I'd be like, what the fuck? Well, there is a moment in season five, and all I'll say is, "You are my sunshine." Ugh, God damn you! In that, get out of my home. I'm sad. I'm gonna <laughs> cry in my Manhattan. <laughs> you wouldn't be the first person to cry in Manhattan. It wouldn't be the first time I'm crying into a Manhattan. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so he needs he needs Angel's help because he does like, hey, you're a champion, right? And so Angel eventually, like, all right, I guess. And this is what he needs mm-hmm. because, yeah, he's gone to Lorne at different points in the season. But at this point, he's very much kind of, as Liam Neeson said in Batman Begins, you've truly lost your way. Yeah. Well, Lauren calls him out. He's just like, you know, you're supposed to help the helpless, but all I see you doing is going after lawyers and letting girls on fire. <laughs> accurate. <laughs> uh, some context uh, being left out, but, you know, essentially accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, this man that Harrison despises is a rather brilliant physicist whose name is Gene. And uh, the Buffy Wiki summarizes a complex topic by saying that he's working on a device to stop time. Now, the actual explanation, and Jason, this is where I'm hoping your science brain will help me. The actual explanation is they aren't really stopping time. They're like containing a moment and stretching it to infinity in like sort of a pocket dimension of its own is that so sort of okay um so does the science in this episode well check they make a couple of references to quantum entanglement which makes me think that there was a nerd on the writing staff oh uh, a science nerd on the writing i was like oh i was about to be like oh this was your first indication that there may have been a nerd on this a science nerd let me (laughs) let me re-emphasize that okay so I did actually um, want to refresh myself on this because I haven't like looked into advanced quantum mechanics in a little while. It's uh, Science Corner with Jason. So if I am correct in the explanation that they gave, um, they do bring up a very accurate point of quantum mechanics, and that is quantum entanglement. Now, for those of you who don't even know what quantum mechanics is, it is... Um, how things physically work on a small scale, like as small as you can get, like particles and uh, atoms. And um, and they behave rather differently. And there is this thing called quantum entanglement. And basically what that is, is say particles, we'll just stick with particles, Say if one particle has a certain aspect, then it actually is part of a system of other particles, and it those also have certain aspects that are dependent on each other. But the thing is, is that the information that would basically need to be like uh, transmitted between the two is transmitted faster than the speed of light, which, according to the physics that we know, 
the speed of light, nothing can be faster than that. And uh, people originally thought that this was, that this was, you know, this is bonkers. It can't work. One of those people, famously, Albert Einstein. In fact, he even had a famous phrase that he referred to it as spooky action at a distance. Hot. <laughs> uh, however, even though a lot of people said that this kind of makes the idea of quantum mechanics stupid and silly, it has in fact become, it has been proven through experiments, and it has become one of the main tenets of quantum mechanics. And the two big aspects of modern physics are general relativity, which Einstein was all about, and quantum mechanics. And the goal of theoretical physicists is to find a way for both of these for both of these theories to work together um, because that is the goal of physics. It's called the grand unified theory. Um, so, and it's to get those two to, you know, gel together. Still working on it. Um, but what I believe they try to do, and I can't attest as to how accurate this is because I only could do so much research. <laughs> uh, but what they are trying to do is basically... Um, in their experiment, they're trying to take a drop of mercury, uh, a, a, um, an, a, an element that is commonly used for experiments relating to this because it is a, it's one of the few elements that's liquid in form. Ah, so um, it just makes it easier. Yeah. Basically, um, you have liquid and bromine, and I think mercury is easier to work with than bromine. Mm. Um, and like, yeah, you, you can observe things with liquids that you can't observe with solids and gases. Um, so a lot of, uh, I think a lot of, uh, experiments are done with mercury. Uh, but what they want to do is basically take those, whether it be a particle, whether it be mercury or whether it be a sexy moment <laughs> and remove that from this system that is entangled so it can no longer interact with the other it can no longer have this interaction with the other particles or any other matter um so basically it is what you said but that's kind of your scientific reasoning behind it i I hope I explained that. I think you did. I'm, well. I'm, I'm looking forward to when I do the edit on this to be able to listen to it again. And, like, and, and you know, I, I could have, one, phrased that poorly, and two, gotten something wrong. But uh, that was my breakdown because uh, I did want to look into it because I did take some quantum mechanics classes in uh, when I was doing my uh, master's degree and my bachelor's degree in physics. So I wanted to provide like a little bit of science, science-y, I'm glad you did. Um, uh, and I'm glad you, I'm glad you did that because I know you don't like it when I'm just like, Jason, explain the science to me right now with no preparation. Well, I absolutely <laughs> knew that that's what was going to happen. So I actually paused the episode and like looked up a couple of papers on, uh, on quantum mechanics and like kind of uh, read through their abstracts and a couple sections of theirs. Nice. Um, 
just to kind of be like, all right, what is this again? All right. <laughs> Let me prepare for when that moron asks me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so maybe the, maybe the Buffy Wiki put it best in that he's trying to stop time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but now you guys know a little bit of the science behind it. Thank you. Um, and uh, his girlfriend, Denise, who... She seems lovely. She does seem lovely. I can totally understand why um, he would be happy about celebrating their upcoming one-year anniversary. Uh, uh, does stop by to check and make sure they're like, oh, okay, don't like work too late. Um, and, uh, and you know, like, I'm, I'm looking forward to our date. And uh, she's not really looking forward <laughs> to not. it. Uh, but, I mean, you don't, you don't tell somebody that. Yeah, really awkward. Hey, I'm not looking forward to our date. I feel um. like we're going we're gonna to talk about this. Um, yeah, and, oh, it turns out that they uh, probably uh, met both doing science, but while Gene went on to, like, really knock it out of the park with his science stuff, uh, Denise went into theater. Yeah, she was like, fuck this. And, you know, honestly... I can relate as somebody who is in both the science world and the theater world. It's an interesting, it's an interesting combination, but apparently one that is in that is President Angel. Uh, so Angel and sorry, the Buffy Wiki is still referring to Lorne as the host. Um, so they both are uh, looking at different uh, karaoke bars, and uh, because they don't have any leads, and they're just kind of hoping that. Maybe this guy sings at other places. Um, but they do find a karaoke bar. And this actor is so familiar. Um, Mike Hager- Haggerty? Oh, that sounds super familiar. I know I've seen him in at least one thing. Um, I love this guy. I He was so helpful and fun. and So, okay. He's the super in Friends. I know you haven't seen Friends. Um, I've seen Friends. Oh, I thought you hadn't seen all of it. Yeah, I've seen all of it. Oh, okay. Well, he's he's Mr. Trigger in Friends. Um. Yeah, he's probably one of those people who does like a uh, bit parts mm-hmm. um, across all of uh, yeah I've seen all him of on TV. Brooklyn Nine Nine, Shameless. Community. I feel like there might be like a a big thing, and maybe maybe it is the. Uh, Maybe it is him being in Friends. Um, well, he's in Deadwood. Yeah. Because <laughs> apparently everybody's in Deadwood. Uh, I'm currently been I'm currently making my way through that uh, series at the moment. He's in Speed 2, Cruise Control. He's in Austin Powers 2, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Uh, well, I'm not finding anything that sticks out. Um... Of course, he did a couple episodes of Star Trek. Anyway, um, he's a he, he's a good guy. Uh, he and uh, it's really great because um, he thinks he knows who Lauren is talking about, and so Lauren asks him to uh, sing a little bit of "For He's a Jolly Good Fellow," and uh, he's a little confused at first, but he does it, and uh, Lauren for one. It's like, yep, that's the guy. Two, uh, appreciates his tone. Yeah. And three, make sure to encourage him to like keep up the keep up the work on that novel. 
What a great episode for Lorne. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, love him. Love him to death. Yeah, well, Lord knows we need some kind of positive influence around Angel at the God, moment. God, we do. Because, he, you know, we haven't mentioned Angel too much so far in this episode summary because he really just kind of is a bump on a log. It's <laughs> <laughs> accurate. Uh, but yeah, the bartender does let him know that, like, he's actually, that this guy is a student at UCLA. That's all he knows. He's a grad student. Um, and, uh, so they decide to go to UCLA, where Gene is leaving because he did decide to work most of the night. However, his initial run-through with the Mercury didn't help, didn't work. And when he leaves, there are probably the laziest design demons of the series. I was like, oh, look, it's the mummified grandpa from texas chainsaw massacre they literally just look like extremely decayed lazily decayed uh human beings so i know these are called lover demons um Um, and uh real quick while you're looking that up gene leaves the lab and the lover demons change like they don't erase like they don't they don't use an eraser and write it on there they magically erase um, the last part of Gene's equation and put in the thing for their nefarious means. Yes. And they're like, who's the one? So, the grandpa from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Like, basically just that with more powder on it. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I, I love that movie, but every time I watch it, I can't look at that fucker's face. <laughs> disgusting. Um, so Wes Gunn and Cordelia, they're just not feeling great, but Virginia does stop by and yeah. she's got food, champagne, and, uh, wondering why everybody's so down in the dumps. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Wes tries to be like, oh, thanks for coming, sweetie, and it's cute. Uh, but yeah, none of them are in the best of moods. However, Virginia does say like, hey, I know a client. Uh, like, really? Like, yeah. Um... There's a demon that killed his eldest son. They're like, yes, but no. Oh, that's bad. But yes, we got a case. I love like, a rich, a rich yeah. case. I just love when Cordy's like, we'll take it. We'll take anything. And Virginia just goes, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> it was a really, really beautiful line delivery from uh, uh, Bridget Branagh. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, this is really her only scene in the episode, but she was hilarious. Yes. And... Well, she she becomes a positive presence yeah. for for our angel investigations team that's moping at the moment. Uh, so when Gene goes back to the um, lab, he runs the experiment again because he notices that the equation is different, changes the parameters, and this uh, causes the this causes the field to actually work. And this he calls his yeehaw moment. Because I guess Eureka would have been too uh, cliche. <laughs> but anyway, he's super excited because he... And so the first person that he wants to tell is his girlfriend, Denise. Um, and yeah, that, like that that's sweet. I feel like there's probably a procedure he's supposed to be following, but... I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't live in this world, but... I mean, in all fairness, if I... Hell, even if I don't, like, if anything really good happens to me, um, 
even if it's not like groundbreaking scientific discovery <laughs> i do like always feel the urge to like you know i like if i get a promotion at work i like i want to call up my mom i want to call up some of my best friends like get be like hey guys guess what <laughs> that makes me think of uh in legally blonde the musical when uh she gets the when l gets the internship and there is like a specific point in the song when she's like oh i don't really know what to do like i'll call up my mom who <laughs> isn't like the isn't a huge character in the musical but it's nice that she does yeah. that oh. um oh that makes me think of all the fun times we had doing oh. legally blonde the musical. that was a fun show it really was um but uh, he does see uh, Denise talking with uh, one of the people who works in the lab uh, with him. I don't remember her name. She gives me Debbie vibes. Maybe it's this Val. Val. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. She's a Val. <laughs> Definitely a Val. Um, I'd like to buy a Val, please. <laughs> uh, sorry. So stupid. <laughs> But uh, as he is running towards them, he notices that they're talking and overhears what they're saying. So Denise is breaking up with Jean. Unfortunately, she's going to do it on the anniversary, uh, but she's not going to do it until she gives... I can't think of a better word for this than pity sex. Well, we, you don't have to think of a better word because Val helpfully uh, supplies us with pity bone. Pity bone. That's or no, good. sympathy bone. Sympathy, sympathy bone. bone. I, mean, um, I honestly don't know which one's worse. I yeah. I just can I. In, ugh. This scene is so long. We spend so much time with Denise explaining why she's gonna break up with. And also and the like, over why? the overhearing of it is. I know you hated that. Well. Yeah, it is kind of like a reverse of your usual rom-coms. Uh, but it, since it's like the guy overhearing the girl, when typically it's the other way around. But uh, yeah, it's... I don't know, it's, it's a lazy, it's a lazy yeah. plot device. At least in this case, it's not like overhearing, but out of context. He's at least getting, yeah. he's, he's getting, he's getting, getting the, whole the context. full context. It's just, I don't... And I think, I, yeah, I just, I don't like this story, first of all. I, and I actually like everything that's happening in the episode with Angel and Lorne, with uh, Cordy Gunn and Wesley, like all that stuff I think is so good. And then this story is just really bland and kind of stupid in my opinion. And the fact that we spend so much time, not even with Jean, but with Jean's girlfriend, and I know it's like... It is plot relevant. We need to, mm-hmm. but it's just like, you know, she has a lot of like lines just explaining why she wants to break up with him. And I'm just like, I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> like, I don't yeah, care. I, I'm a little, I'm a little reminded of iRobot You Jane, mm-hmm. where they try to introduce something that while there is like fantastical elements to it, a lot of it is like kind of a science fiction sort yeah. of element. And it's it doesn't mesh well with just the way that the, the, the that these worlds work. I agree. I totally agree with that. And honestly, it, 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 and it makes it feel incredibly out of place. It's so out of place. And I would honestly, I'll take I heard about you, Jane, over this because I heard about you, Jane, is stupid, but it's fun. It's enjoyable. This was boring. Like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, keep going. Um. But yeah, and so here's the question. All the things that Gene does is bad. 
from this point on. Yes. Do you think that Denise could have gone about it a little bit better and not like not gone that route? Um, because one, are we assuming that it's the first time that they're having sex, or oh, it's just going so. to be the last time? That I think. Sex? Oh, I think it's the, definitely supposed to be um, the last. But it does seem like that she plans on breaking up with him right after the sex. Yeah, that that seems a tad tacky. I'm yeah, I'm not a fan of Denise's. Once yeah, look, like you said, we're not excusing Gene's behavior. No, no, no. but yeah, like Gene is the Gene is the worst of the two. It definitely but... feels like she's been feeling this way for a while, and to wait until the anniversary does. I don't want to say cruel, but like either. You know, you. I don't know. And she's I, clearly, she was clearly feeling this way the day before. Yeah. And it's not like Gene's status is going to change. Like, oh, I, I mean, you can't even use the excuse that oh, he's busy working, um, because I honestly feel like, well, the work that Gene's doing, while she may see that as important as well, because she supports him this is important. Like you need to talk about yeah. your relationship, especially if you want it to end. So like, yeah. don't, I will, it, I just, it, it left a really bad taste in my mouth yeah. that, and, and it almost sounds like I'm victim blaming because she is like a victim of Jean, but I don't think that you should do that and then immediately break up with somebody. Yeah. I don't know if, and part of the problem here is, despite the fact that we spend so much time with her in this scene, she's such an underdeveloped character. She is. We don't know anything about their relationship other than, you know, and uh, breaking up with someone is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you don't have, like, like a quote-unquote reason. You know, if it's just, like, you're just not feeling the relationship. Like, that sucks. And I can totally understand, like, putting it off and putting it off, like, because you don't want to hurt their feelings or something like that. But... Yeah, the day of your anniversary, after the date, like she should have done it before. Yeah, she should have done it before, or she should, or she should have bit the bullet and, you know, waited like a week. Um, but uh, yeah, she should have done it before the anniversary. And I know she feels like it's the kind thing to do to have the pity sex, but I don't know. That doesn't feel kind to me. That feels kind of manipulative. It, 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 and also. I can I can see relationships where like maybe they're all about the sex. That's not the relationship that I get this vibe no. from. Like that is this is a relationship where I feel like sex is a sex has a lot of emotions mm-hmm. and um, importance attached to it. Whereas like it's not some kind of casual like oh we bone on the reg. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I feel like if somebody did that to me. That would really fucking hurt me. Yeah. Um, almost make me feel a little cheap. <laughs> uh, and I'm not cheap, y'all. <laughs> yeah. You better be ready to wine and dine me. <laughs> yeah. It's it's all very much. I mean, just just be just call it what it is. It's all a contrivance to get us to this storyline. Mm-hmm. But that is the last thing that we we're. That is the last negative thing we're going to say about Denise because. She pretty much just becomes a plot device at this moment. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Gene hears this and realizes that he wants to give her a love that'll last forever. 
Um, I want to point out that Jean uh, is referred to by Denise in her conversation with Val as sweet. And perhaps he has been. Perhaps he 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 was always very sweet to her. But the fact Damn, that, did he flip a switch. Right? The <laughs> first thing he thought to do when he found out she was going to break up with her was essentially enslave her in a moment like i mean that feels like an assault to me oh it is an assault it is an assault using physics and that is i don't like that at all it really does make me think of um you saw spider-man no way home right Uh just like how uh dr strange tries to do that spell for peter uh to make everybody forget that he's spider-man and he's like i don't know like uh i get that you've got that's like you got you got a lot you didn't get into you, you didn't get into college. They didn't like they didn't listen to you when you talked to them. He's like, what? And he's like, well, you, I mean, you talked to like the admissions people, right? Like to try to get them to reconsider. No. <laughs> so your first instinct when you didn't get into college was to brainwash the world. <laughs> you may have jumped a bit. Yeah. You went you, you you went from zero to two hundred real fast, buddy. <laughs> um so uh yeah, so Gene has a plan. Um and uh meanwhile Angel Angel and Lauren are uh trying to find out where the physics lab is. Well, first they're in the library and um and they're basically going through yearbooks to find out who he is so like mm-hmm. Lauren can match the image in his head to a uh, picture and they can figure out like, oh, where is this guy? This seemed to take, this seemed to be like unnecessary details and and the fight scene that comes out with like the lover demons attacking uh, Angel just kind of feels like, oh yeah, we need a fight scene. The, yeah, no, this all felt like padding. Mm-hmm. Like, um, although I did I, I find like it, their interactions here, but like, yeah. Although I did find it kind of funny that um, Lorne, the book that Lorne picks up to kind of hide his face, seems to be a Russian English dictionary. Yeah, it was something like that. But it's on a shelf, and the next shelf to the left has a Danielle Steele book on it. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't. I don't get what Dewey Decimal System they're using maybe in, this, it in this was, library. Maybe it was a Russian copy of a Daniel Steele novel. Well, still, they needed the translation. That, that next still to wouldn't it. go next to that because the, the dictionary is a reference book. But and reference books are away from fiction. It's the only Russian book in the whole library, so they just put the what, Russian. The, the dictionary only next Russian to it. book uh-huh. is a Daniel Steele yes. novel, and and this dictionary. <laughs> And so they just went, you know what, we'll just put them together on the shelf. So that whoever checks this out can also have the dictionary for reference. I would say that hypothesis is flimsy, but this whole episode's story (laughs) is. So we'll move on. Oh, and I do love that uh, Angel's idea for explaining Lauren's pres like his appearance is just, oh, you're the new, you're the new school mascot. (laughs) And we find out later they're they're the Buccaneers. Which isn't even right, because UCLA's mascot is the Bruins. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, either one, Lauren would be inappropriate yeah. for. I did love uh, Back in the Bar with the bartender, who I love, and I'm putting him in the spinoff. How he's so unfazed by Lauren. He's just like, oh, usually only have humans in here, or, or vampires pretending to be humans. Don't get a lot of demons. 
Cool. Anyway, what you need? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, ju- I just wanted to make sure. So, the UCLA mascot is a Bruin or a bear, a brown bear. Um, there, it, there are two varieties. There's Joe Bruin and Josephine Bruin. Aw, are they married? Um, well, he's described on this webpage as... Uh, Joe Bruin is the official mascot of UCLA with Josephine Josie Bruin, a female brown bear who is his regular partner at UCLA events and other university activities. So, so maybe not married, but they've definitely got something going on. Yeah. I mean, can straight people have partners? <laughs> Sorry, I saw that tweet that you put out. Um, <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> it really is dumb. Like, that is just... That is an argument about semantics that doesn't need to yeah. happen. Yeah. So for listeners, basically it was an argument going on whether it was appropriation for straight people to use the term partner, which I literally was like, I'm done today. I'm done. I'm done interneting today. It was so stupid. I, I'm i sorry. I don't. Yes. Straight people can use the term partner. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> You heard it from a gay man, so yeah. that gives you permission. I mean, <laughs> I am the authority on all things gay. I am <laughs> queen of the gays. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like, while they, they figure out that Gene is a brilliant physics, uh, brilliant physics grad student, he has his own lab, uh, and Angel's getting directions, but he uh, then gets attacked by the lover demons, um, and... Uh, and Lauren tells uh, Angel what they are, and after Angel is able to beat them, he says like, "Oh yeah, so they're kind of all about the gloom and doom, uh, wanting a person who will end the world." And uh, so this makes Angel think like, "Oh, it must be Gene, and these demons are protecting like what he's doing." Um, so they get to the lab, but Gene is gone, as well as the equipment, um, and he. Took it home. He took his equipment home, placed the field generators around his bed because he wants to freeze time. And I've already said it. I got to say it again because it is really dumb. He wants to freeze time while they're having sex because he knows that the sex is coming. He knows that he's getting the sympathy bone. And uh, he looks like he times it. Right at the moment of completion. I'm just so upset. <laughs> no, it's gross. It's so disgusting. Yeah, it is gross. Like it, it. And it, it just... And it makes me mad that he does not get any real comeuppance at the end. Like, he gets off... We'll, we'll get there, and I'll, I'll have my well, feelings the, about the it. The thing is, is that this is... It honestly just seems gross... Especially, like, in tone for Buffy and Angel. Like, mm-hmm. there are a couple of Buffy episodes that I say, that I will say was, um, were, especially, like, that we've got coming up that I'm not a huge fan of, um, involving science fiction-y elements. Um, and, yeah, like, I mean, it's kind of like when Xander it was talking in the last Buffy episode about how, like, oh pretty great that dawn has a crush on me right like it's just it's uh it's yeah it's yeah i it's 
It, it makes an even weaker episode. Like, it makes me want to dislike it even more. Yeah. It, 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 and it makes me feel, especially in the end of the episode, it makes me feel like the episode wants me to sympathize with him, and I don't. Even a little bit. Well, like, they, and Lauren points out how good it is that Angel's sympathizing with him. So that's not good. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, like, Gene. Gene might be a sweet guy, but he's. He's literally trying to entrap his girlfriend in a very vulnerable moment. Mm-hmm. And that is gross. Yeah. Just gross. Um, but yeah, so they're asking, um, they're asking this dude who, uh, they're asking this dude, uh, who worked with, um, Val and, uh, Gene, his name is Mike. Um, he's like, he's obviously jealous of Gene because like, oh, all I do is work on mold or whatever. Carpet mold. Like, nobody cares. Well, be smarter, Mike. (laughs) You know, you know, you you bash experiments on mold, but you could you could contribute something extremely important. So be happy that you like have stuff to do at all. Yeah, you might you might you you're not entrapping a woman in a moment of time that she doesn't want to be in. So yeah, it's like you're better we're, than Gene. We're gonna leave this episode pretty much forgetting about you. We're not gonna actively dislike you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he basically tells them where Gene's apartment is because he doesn't care. Yeah. Um, and, uh, this is when they're driving to his apartment. This is probably the most important part of the episode. Um, I'd say just overall, yeah. but also especially for Angel and Lauren because I love Lauren, this scene. Yeah. As you said before, Lauren is calling out Angel on, um, hey, you know, you're supposed to be helping people, but you're not doing that. And, you know, all this time we've kind of gotten to the point where I think we I think we all have operated under the impression that Angel fired Wes Gunn and Cordelia because he didn't think they were tough enough mm-hmm. to and that they were just going to try to stop him from doing what he wanted to do. Um, but in this, he reveals that, you know, Obviously, beginning of season two, he was very much like, oh, I'm, I'm getting a chance for atonement. I'm going to, like, follow through with this. But then, you know, a whole cadre of lawyers from Wolfram and Hart are trying to basically fuck with him. So he's like, yeah, you know, it worked. And I could see, like, how dark I would have to be to take them all down. Like, you wanted to burn it to the ground. He wants to kill Darla. He, like, expressly says that he wants to kill Darla in this. Yeah. Which I don't think has been... I don't think that's been absolute at this point. Like, yeah, he did set Darla and Drew on fire. But I think he knew that they would survive yeah. that. He, he and, just wanted to fuck with them. And even if he didn't think they would survive, he certainly did nothing to finish the job. Yeah. I mean, they were in he, an extremely vulnerable position even after they put themselves out. And he was but 30 feet away. Yeah, like, if, he, if he expressly wanted to kill Darla, he had a chance. Yeah. He's probably had several chances. But uh, yeah, but he, he does say that he let them go. He let Wes, Cordy, and Gunn go because he didn't want them going to that dark place. Yeah. And he thinks that they're better off without him. And 
yeah, that's great. But at the same time, he's also forgetting that by sending them away, by pushing them out, he's removing the positive mm -hmm. connections that he had with the world. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of um, The Wish, um, where we see just how dark Buffy is without her ties to mm -hmm. the world. Um, and we're, it's kind of a similar playing out over the course of an arc um, and actually happening and not in an alternate universe. But um, yeah, this... Yeah, him pushing those them away um, for their own good. But yeah, he's it's going to hurt him too. It, um, it makes me think too of um, in uh, Doctor Who, um, there's an episode during um, the 11th Doctor's tenure on the show where... Um, and it's Amy and Rory are still on the... I think it's like right near the end of Amy and Rory's time. But basically, he's been traveling on his own for a really long time. And then they go on like an adventure with him for the first time in a bit from his perspective. And he's like... He does something like really dark. And Amy's like... This is... Was like, that was that like Asylum of the Daleks? It was... I don't know if it was Asylum of the Daleks, but it's definitely like in that arc. Of, okay. Of them, of them leaving. Because she says like this is... like. Because it's a very similar conversation. I remember this. Being, yeah, I remember this yeah. moment, but I don't specifically remember what it might have been in the Western one. Oh yeah, a town called Mercy. Yeah, because she says like this is what happens when you travel yeah, by you're yourself right, too you're long. Right, yeah. Um, but he's trying to make the argument that it's like no, it's for your own protection, and she's like, "Fuck you, man." <laughs> yeah. Um, um, if you're like, I, I gotta tell you, and I can say this from experience. I can legit say this from experience. If you think that pushing people away when you're in a rough time because you don't want them to share in your rough time, you don't want them exposed to like the stuff that you're going through, if you think that that is the right thing to do, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Because more often than not, the people that you're trying that you feel the need to push away are going to be the people who support you the most. Yeah. And so I know that for some reason, we humans have this pride in us and we think like, oh, I can take care of my, uh, like, I have to be able to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. I can't let other people help me out. But the truth is that you probably help those other people and you don't even know it. Yeah. So you have to let them help you. Mm -hmm. I saw this really great meme of, um, of like this, and it was this person said, like, yeah, I went into this therapist's office and I... And uh, noticed that they had like a big poster of Aragorn from Lord of the Rings on there. <laughs> and uh, and I said like, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I don't really want to like rely on my friends for everything. And uh, the therapist looked at me and said, do you know who relied on their friends for help? And like pointed the poster like Aragorn, <laughs> son of Arathorn, <laughs> king of Gondor. Are you saying that you're better than Aragorn? <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love that. Uh, but that just goes into, um, as you guys know, I'm very much like, uh, I've been trying to call out more toxic masculinity. And I love that Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings movies is probably one of my go-to figures of what, what non-toxic masculinity looks like. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, just a little side note. He's a good dude. Yeah. Um, with this scene too, on the subject of Angel pushing them away to not drag them down, mm-hmm. I it is funny that I that also is a bit of a, a the lady doth protest too much. Um, I think this is just another instance of just for a second, like the true Angel peering through. I think if Angel was as ruthless and as dark as he's claiming he's he is and is claiming to want to be he wouldn't care if he was dragging them mm-hmm. down with him so it, it's kind of a like a by pushing them away so that you can embrace this darkness you're not embracing the darkness buddy and that's good like that's a yeah. good thing um so uh, and i love that he does listen to lorne He's grumpy about it, and he's a bit of a dick, but he doesn't, he's not completely dismissive of what Lauren is, is saying to him. And I think the reason for that is, is because, one, it's not coming from Wes Gunn and Cordelia, who have spent a good deal of this season being like, hey, you know, you need to check what you're doing. Um, it's coming from somebody that he does put, like, stock in their opinion, because he, he goes to Lauren for advice. Yeah. And also, like, um, it is just having a person who's not directly connected to you mm-hmm. point out something, like, objectively. Yeah. Is, uh, that can be very eye-opening. Yeah. And it helps, too, that Lauren doesn't feel the need to, um, uh, to, to walk on eggshells the way that the, the other three do. He's, he's very willing to just say, no, this is how it is. Mm-hmm. Like, even Cordy, who's the bluntest, was still choosing her words pretty carefully because she was worried about upsetting Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren doesn't doesn't have to worry about that. But, uh, yeah, so uh, Angel Investigations had a successful first mission. This is the episode I wanted! Gun, gun <laughs> kills the demon, and... Um, so and it so it's really funny because uh the what the Buffy Wiki says is uh Wesley uses deductive reasoning uh, excuse me in a Sherlock Holmes fashion <laughs> Wesley uses deductive reasoning to reveal the real truth behind the murder that one of the family hired the demon to kill the eldest son and heir and thereby gain control of the family money. So I love I love this reveal but and I think it's because I just started listening to a um to an Agatha Christie audiobook, mm-hmm. um, which is the first, uh, it's the Mysterious Affair at Styles. So the first, I believe that's the first appearance of uh, Hercule Poirot. Um, and uh, I, that's what I thought of. I'm like, oh, he's doing it just like Poirot. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Sherlock Holmes is probably the better, the, the, more, the more iconic association yeah. to make. Um, but I do think Poirot was first. Or no, 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 that's not. No, right. that's really wrong. <laughs> that's so wrong. I'm like what? <laughs> and you know how I got there? How I got to knowing I was wrong? Because I thought about the Doctor Who episode with Agatha Christie in it, and I was like, oh wait, no, that was set in like the t- like the forties, I think. Yeah, um, it, it's like the first half of the nineteen hundreds. So never mind. Please ignore me. Um, I'm very stupid. <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, and uh, so, but I do love that, like, as soon as Wesley does all of that, like, Gunn Gun says, that was cool. Yeah. 
I really love his, um, when he reveals that it was like Aunt Helen or whoever, um, she immediately bolts for the she door. She bolts, but before that, you get a, you get like three gasps. The first two are from family members, and the third is from Cordelia, who um, has, has been, been snacking eating, the yeah, whole time. She's been eating appetizers. I. This was the episode. I. I, I would have. I would have been so delighted if our main story of this episode was a whodunit starring Gunn, Wesley, and Cordy. You know, you say that, but I feel like the reason that this scene is so enjoyable is because it may not be exactly the mission that you were expecting. That's, that's a good point. But it is really funny that it happened. So, and, you know, Buffy and Angel do that. Like, they tease like, oh, this is what was happening while this was happening. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, so let's just get through this. Um, Gene, Gene and Denise have a very awkward dinner. Um, Denise doesn't eat a lot, but uh, they do proceed to go to Bone Town. Um, sorry for that. Hate it. And you know, I just, like Bone Town, but I don't like this Bone Town. Well, also like maybe. I don't know what she, what she was trying to do. Like, if she was trying to make it seem like that she wanted to have sex with him. But she literally just like, oh, yeah, you know, you're really sweet. And then just, like, takes off her blouse. It's really um, weird. Yeah. Not wearing a bra, by the way. So she's, like, she's, she's just committed. ready to jump into it. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, at first it does work because, um, like, when... I'm not even going to mince words here. When uh, Gene's about to come, he switches on the machine, and he literally is moaning. He's doing an orgasm moan right when the field is created and holds them in place. Um, but the demons are uh, have put, in, put the formula into the machine that um, causes the field to expand. Uh... And um, this is when Angel and Lorne have to fight lover demons. Uh, Lorne... Even the name is stupid. It, it is. like, And Lorne was... Uh, so during the first fight back at the library, it is really funny that Lorne doesn't seem to have any fighting skills whatsoever. All he does is chuck a book and ends up hitting Angel <laughs> with it. Uh, but in this one, he uh, gets to show off his pipes, which it sounded like they were busting car windows, too. Uh-huh. He hits a really high note that, like... Stops the lover demons and then like kicks them in the nards. Love it. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, Angel is able to uh, like they they basically just fight off the lover demons and unplug the machine. Uh, and I read like um, so the continuity goofs part of this, and it's kind of it's interesting because of how like somebody was really upset about this. Because it's like, oh, well, they shouldn't have had to, um, it doesn't make sense that they would have to adjust the machine by putting in a formula because the machine already would have been in stasis. So if you put a formula into it, a new formula into it, it was already stuck in time, so it wouldn't have affected it. So somebody got really upset about huh. this, and I'm like, you know, your reasoning is sound. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I mean, like, I... I hope that's not the only thing about this episode that upsets you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the good on, good on that person for pointing that out. But uh, yes, yeah, so they 
pull they like basically pull the plug on the machine and the field disappears and uh gene's like uh-oh and denise like we have to talk here's what bothers me okay here's the one thing <laughs> we get we basically get just go straight to this scene with Lauren, Jean, and Angel. We don't see if Denise finds out what happens. We don't. We don't see what her reaction is if she did. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I I think what we deserve in this episode, what Jean deserves, is for Denise to find out and chew something. The fuck tells out. me something tells me that uh, because obviously, since time was being frozen. Uh, Denise doesn't feel like anything happened. Right. Um, Gene is only aware that something happened because... Right. Oh, no. He's I... now aware that something happened. So, something tells me that Gene probably did not tell Denise at all. Uh, well, I think I think Angel sort of kicked down the door and been like, Hey, Denise, do you want to know what happened? I, think I, don't, think, I don't think Angel would have cared enough to do that. Um, but yeah, it's and then we mad. get this scene, this very problematic scene, where, um, yeah... Angel and Lauren are explaining to Gene what happened and with the demons because he wasn't even aware of the demons at all. And he's like, oh, um, I've got some beer. Do you guys want beer? And they're like, sure. And uh, Lauren kind of like metaphorically pats Angel on the back for getting like trying to relate to a human that he saved. But I mean, this may not be the Wrong right human. time to do it. <laughs> Wrong human. Yeah, no, that's the thing. It's so frustrating. It's like, because yes, this is what Angel needs to be doing. He needs to be getting back to that, you know, saving souls and, you know, and yeah, reconnecting. It's what Doyle wanted him to do um, back in season one. It's like, this is not the guy. Um, and, and you know, maybe if, it's just, he yeah, he says, I'm sorry. He says, but like, I don't know. He's like, there's no... It doesn't feel like true remorse. It doesn't yeah. feel like like he's going to actually like, try oh, to... Oh, darn. That, did, that yeah. didn't work out for me. He's he's more upset that he almost accidentally, like, froze everything else. Which, bad. Yeah. But he doesn't seem to grasp that the core concept of what he was doing was bad. Yeah. And that's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, can I Can I read... The thing that's not frustrating, which is Lauren's very, very beautiful uh, word. Yes, uh, this, line this, about music. This deserves being read word for word. Um, but Lauren says, it just doesn't work, Gene. It's like a song. Now, I can hold a note for a long time. Actually, I can hold a note forever. But eventually, that's just noise. It's the change we're listening for. The note coming after the one after, the note coming after and the one after that. That's what makes it music. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. It's beautiful, and I love that that came from Lorne. Mm-hmm. Um, Hate that it was wasted on fucking Gene. <laughs> yeah, Lo- Lorne is... Lorne is such a good character in this, and honestly, his presence is kind of what saves this from being just a zero out of five. <laughs> um, it's not much higher than that, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, Angel starts realizing that... Um, Oh, you know, and I'm starting to feel a little guilty because I fired my friends and um, I, th- I thought it would just make things easier for them. Cut to celebration of the case. <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, and uh, with no power, they just lit a lot of candles in the office, and it, they got a big party going. Yeah, who are all these people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I bet they're Virginia's friends. <laughs> I, bet, I bet Virginia was like... Calling the party. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were like, oh, we can invite these people. These people in Virginia. It's just like, oh my God. Let me call some people. Please. I know. I, hey, you owe me a favor. Please come to this party. Yes, the office smells weird. Don't mention it. Uh, yeah. and uh, But then while they're celebrating, uh, a man shows up and he's like, oh, I need help. And uh, and yeah, and they, and they both, all three of them go into like, oh yeah, like we can help you. But here's the here's why I want to talk about the gun. I feel like it com- gun comes across as the person that I would want to talk to the most in this. Mm, yeah. um, and it's just the way that J. August Richards delivers that line, like, "Hey, come on back, man. We'll we'll get you set up." And I don't know, I I don't know why I felt that way. Um, I can just, I can tell you exactly why. He, I I think I I love all three of them. Mm-hmm. Um. Gun is going to be um, uh, personable in a way that Cordy and Wesley, at this stage of their character development, aren't going to be. They're going to be very business minded. Cordy, like mm-hmm. Cordy specifically, is going to be like, "Let's talk about the bill and all that." Wesley is going to be like, "Let's talk about the details of the monster or whatever you're dealing with." Gun feels like he's gonna. He's also gonna be able to do all that, but in a in a more casual way. Solid point. And um and it, especially this dude. That seems to be what he needs. If someone walked in and went like, wearing like pearls and a diamond tiara, and it's like I have a ton of money to spend on a case, point her towards Cordelia. That mm-hmm. Cordelia is gonna be the one to handle that client. Um. That that's the vibe that Gunn is giving me, and not that's not like that's not me criticizing Cordy or Wesley in any way. No, no, like they they all like have their they all have their strengths. Yeah, and I guess like this is maybe this is the first time that I became aware of like that strength with Gunn because I mean, well, in in all fairness, the last couple of episodes they really had they really have just been like trying to get things together. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess like just that moment is another great gun moment for me. And, uh, yeah, like, yeah, man, you would be the guy that I would want to talk to. Mm -hmm. He does however ask like which one of them is angel and Wesley respond after they all look at each other. Wesley responds. It's just a name. Yeah. So, um, and that is happy anniversary. Um, and I wanted, and I don't know if this is, um, if this is intentional, but, um, we obviously see some like relationship troubles in this episode on the side of Jean and Denise. Um, and like, you know, finding out that, uh, oh, your relationship's about to like fall apart. Um, maybe you should stop time. <laughs> but uh, I think something else that we see, another part of like what happens after a relationship ends, is you kind of get a look into how your ex is doing without you and um so and in this case like the ex is uh west gun and cordelia and um i don't know have you ever have you ever been in a relationship and then that relationship ends and it does it doesn't seem to take very long for your ex to find a new person and uh and you kind of look at that and think, 
wow, was I that like inconsequential? I feel like that's um if if Angel could see what Westgun and Cordelia were doing, which I mean he eventually is going to. Yeah. Um I kind of think that maybe he might have a little bit of that feeling. Yeah. Uh I don't know, like it's just something that I thought I'd point out. Like um I think that might be something that's a tad relatable. Yeah. yeah. Well, they definitely are they make a point to show Angel to cut from Angel starting to feel regret for 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 firing them and to showing a, a cut directly to them for the first time since that firing in a moment of joy and yeah yeah, and flourishing that's exactly um and a far cry from where they were at the beginning of the episode right um so yeah i absolutely think that's um yeah there's something there yeah for for a part of me a part of me just kind of like since we were talking about like a relationship that was ending i kind of like equated that whole bit to a relationship that has ended Mm -hmm. and you know it's like oh man they've like seeing your ex move on um it's like it's not the easiest thing to do yeah um sorry no harrison's eating the cherry from his manhattan i'm breaking my rule (laughs) oh anyway (laughs) i didn't even think about it i was just like oh the cherry (laughs) I was like, oh, now I have a mouthful of cherry that I'm chewing. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> I'm gross! Um, Alright, happy anniversary. More like shappy smana smersery. Nailed it. <laughs> I think I put more thought into that than some of the thought that went into this episode. Yeah, this episode, like, the story feels out of place. All of the characters that aren't our main cast or Lorne um, are incredibly underdeveloped and honestly just seem almost inconsequential. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we get like, we get that important scene with uh, Lorne and Angel, like Lorne calling Angel out on this stuff and Angel coming to the realization like, oh, maybe I did screw up. Um, but that's only one scene. It really does feel like Angel just kind of like is going through the motions for the majority of this episode. Mm-hmm. And I get that that's the impression that they're trying to give, but it doesn't make for a good TV. Yeah. Well, I think it could. It could. It could. It's just a good not story. In, yeah, yeah, not in this instance. Um, yeah, the story, as you said, is like borderline stupid and also like very disturbing when you go into the yeah. details of it. Yeah. And not. Not the the right kind of disturbing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it feels like... Unsettling. Yeah, it feels like the writers didn't even... Didn't realize the implications of what they were... They were... Yeah, the story. I feel like... Obviously, we're eventually going to get to a reunion with Angel and Angel Investigations. I feel like once we get there, we're going to look back on this episode and feel like it's filler mm-hmm. like it's like oh do they need another episode in between like as part of this arc yeah uh because i feel like we don't get too much from this yeah um that couldn't be worked into other episodes I agree or just have a better story um so it doesn't it's not a zero out of five because <laughs> it does have um it does have those moments and yeah the west cordy 
and gun stuff is great. So 1.5 um, Russian dictionaries out of five for me. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like these quote unquote filler episodes that we have that I'm not opposed to episodes that are just case of the weeks while we're in the separation between the teams because I think there's value in that. But they got to be good. They got to be good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I've got you under my skin from season one. That's a case of the week episode. Fucking incredible episode. Um, you know, it's they can be good. Um, this, not good. Um, yeah, Cordy West and Gun Stuff. Uh, and Virginia Stuff. I'm going to throw her in there yeah. too, even though she was only in that one scene. All really good. Um, yeah, the dynamic between uh, Lorne and Angel. And yeah, Lorne calling Angel out. And it seeming to have at least somewhat of an effect on Angel. I like that stuff too. But yeah, this story and and the fact of the matter is we a big problem is that uh Lauren and Angel do not interact with Jean at all until the end of the episode. Yeah. Um they don't even feel connected to the story. Yeah, exactly. It's um so we're we're spending chunks of this episode with these underdeveloped characters doing grody things that I hate. Um, so it's just like, you know, it's a case of the week episodes are usually not exclusively, but usually at their best when Angel is connecting with, um, the, the person on some sort of level, which I understand can't really right now, but it's still, I mean, the, the point is for him to try to find his way back to that. Right. So, yeah. And maybe that would have worked if the story were good. Mm-hmm. The story ain't good. So, yeah. Um, I'm also going to give this one and a half um, old grandpas from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. That that was another thing that was bad about this episode. Oh, yeah. the, the, the monster design was terrible. Awful. Yeah. Maybe a low point of the season. Like, maybe the low point. I, yeah, I can't think of an episode that I've rated lower so far. Yeah. We've had which, some lackluster ones. Yeah, but... which sucks because, like, we've had so many highs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe The Shroud of Ramon, but I think I'd take that one over this one. Uh, yeah, yeah, same here. All right, anything else? Not really. I'm yeah. feeling pretty... Uh... Bit of a throwaway this week. Yeah, <laughs> what, what are you going to do? All right. Well, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We will be back next week with Buffy Season 5, Episode 14, Crush. Perhaps there might be a a special visitor to Sunnydale next week. Quite possibly. Who can say? Who can say? (laughs) I'm Jason. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at yamij357. And for now, you can find me on Twitter at just plain old yamij. I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman. And on uh, the new home of Elon Musk, you can find me at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. Make sure that you spell out the and A-N-D. And don't forget to subscribe to us and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify or your podcast listening station 
of choice got there eventually. Each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. Really excited for this week's charity yeah. now that I read it. This week we're highlighting Society for Science. Go science. Yeah. Society for Science is a champion for science dedicated to expanding scientific literacy, effective STEM education, and scientific research. They are a nonprofit 501c3 membership organization focused on promoting the understanding and appreciation of science and the vital role it plays in human advancement to inform, educate, and inspire. Visit www.societyforscience.org for more information. Yes, and don't use science for evil. Yeah. It's for good or cool evil. And as always, go slay. And be gay. Bye. Bye.